This is a podcast from Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk. So now we know who we are in him, the question is, what are we to do and how are we to do it? Um, now, what I want you to do is, is not switch off because I've asked for us to think about what we do. I, I, I've been to church for a while. Um, I've sat in the congregation for a long time. I grew up in um, in a Christian household, so I had the privilege of going to church from day dot, as it were. Um, and often when the Bible teaching came to a point where it was about what I needed to do, um, I sort of, forgive me, you're better than I am, but I used to switch off a little bit. And you know when you hear what's happening, but you're not really listening, um, what was the message like today? Oh, it was great. What was your favorite part? The, the part where he closed in prayer. <laughs> and we, if we're not careful, we sort of find ourselves coming along to church on a Sunday and going, oh, yeah, it was, it was great. We worshipped and, you know, somebody spoke and it was wonderful. And then they say, well, what did you talk about? What, what sort of happened? Tell, tell me, what was, the, what was the passage? It was one from the Bible. <laughs> and Jesus was definitely mentioned a couple times. Um, so forgive me, I'm, I'm not, this is not you. I'm just saying this is how I was um, and how I, if I'm not careful, can fall into the trap of. But what I want you to do is think about your position before a holy God. Now you know who you are and who we are in Christ. What are we to do and how are we to do it? So what I want to do is take this opportunity, I guess, um, on this morning of all mornings where you've had an extra hour in bed. Yeah? Unless you've got children. And then you realize that they are like clockwork. When the time is the time, they are up. So our youngest is up at half past six. That's just when he wakes up. So guess what time he woke up this morning? It's cruel to parents is what that clock changes. Very, very, very cruel. But nevertheless, with fresh eyes this morning, let's see what God is saying to us through his word and specifically through this chapter in Corinthians. With that said, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just ask this morning that you would just speak into our hearts, that Father, we wouldn't switch off, but Lord, that we would listen to all that you've got to say to us. Father, we thank you for your word and for the reading of it this morning. And again, Lord, we ask that you might just bless us, that Father, you would speak through me, that we might hear something more of your wonder, more of your beauty. Father, we ask all of these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So Paul here is almost midway through his second instalment of teaching, correction and blessing to the church um, at Corinth. Um, how do I know it was to the church at Corinth? Well, because it's written to the Corinthians. I know, theologian. <clears throat> Um, but we know uh, Paul, as a, as a man, he wasn't the type of guy to mess around. He sort of said what he meant. 
It, it, there was no fluffing it up. If that's what needed to be said, then Paul was the guy to say it. And we can see that in the way that he writes. But of course, we must always remember that Paul here is being spoken through by the Holy Spirit who's directing him to write down these words, the very words of God um, as we understand and as we know that all scripture is God-breathed. So we can see, I guess, if you like, the artist's uh, brushstrokes through Paul and we're certain and we're absolutely sure of all that God is going to say to us this morning, it's not Paul and his opinion, it's what God is teaching you and me. And the scholars of, of past have separated this uh, particular chapter into two sections. Our heavenly dwelling, which is verse 1 through 10, and then the ministry of reconciliation, which is 11 through 21. I am trying my best to not get overexcited this morning. Really trying. This, I, I've... For whatever reason, the Lord gave this to me um, quite a few number of days ago, and I've been—it's just—I've been so excited. So if I do trip up at any point, it's all because I'm overexcited, and we pray that the Lord will put it onto your heart what it was that I was supposed to be saying, but I couldn't get my words out. So this morning we're going to focus on verse one through ten, and Paul begins with some facts for the Christian, and this is his primary audience, the Christian. He says in verse one. Um, let's just read it. Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Paul here is making it really clear that we as Christians, we are living in this earthly tent, this, this shell. Because this is wasting away. You won't be able to tell because I, I had a really light paper round and no, um, but, but this is wasting away, and I, I know that's the case, and, and you know for yourself that that's the case, that when you get up in the morning and you swing your legs around and you sort of go, no, that is, that is not good, and you get back in bed, you pull the duvet, no, you don't, you get on, you carry on. But you know, don't you, we know that outwardly we are wasting away, and, and Paul makes, a, and the verse will come to your mind, he makes a claim for that, outwardly that we are wasting away, but inwardly we're being renewed daily. This old shell, this tent, this earthly tent is, well, dropping to pieces. And he says then that if the earthly tent, if this what we live in is destroyed, he says we have a building from God, an eternal house. What he's trying to get us to do is to get our minds onto something that's far bigger and far better than this current state that we're in. Because when we look at this, you know, we try our best to make it look as good as it possibly can. But the truth is, we're only ever a hair's breadth away from what the world would consider as the worst possible thing. But you see, Paul's saying, hang on, you, Christian, you have this opportunity to lift your eyes to something that's far bigger and far better than this that we see. This is just an earthly tent. It's dropping to pieces. We all know that. But the joy of it is that, as Paul says here, that we have a heavenly, eternal house that is not built by human hands. It's not something that's going to drop to pieces any longer. It's something that is going to last forever. The, the earthly home, as we understand it, is fragile. 
it's susceptible like a tent is to storms, isn't it? It's susceptible like a tent is to nature. It's not fixed. In fact, if the wind is strong enough, what happens to a tent? Well, it blows away, doesn't it? And if, if that's the case, Paul is saying to us, look, let's not fix our eyes on these things, but let's just understand something that's far bigger and that's far better. Not a temporary solution. And what Paul says then is what God has promised, what God has promised through Christ is something that has foundations, something that's solid and firm, something that will not be shaken, something that is there for us forever as we put our faith and our trust in Christ. As the writer of Hebrews puts it when referencing Abraham, he is looking forward to a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Hebrews 11 verse 10 for those that are making notes. Those that aren't making notes, Hebrews 11 and verse 10. Now, that sounds much more permanent, doesn't it, than a tent. It sounds much more stable, much more certain than a tent that we have. And we know that this is dropping to pieces, and I feel it every day. But God has already prepared a new home for each of us, a resurrection body. He's prepared a house for us in glory. He's prepared a place for us. He says to his disciples, he says, I go to prepare a place for you. And then he goes on to say, and if I go, you can have a look for yourselves on that one. And if I go to prepare a place for you, that means we surely have some kind of choice. We either choose to go with him or we choose not to. I'll let you look. Um, but as we understand what the Lord has done for us, he's made a way into something that there is no possible way I could ever achieve off my own merit. To be in the presence of God is to be holy and perfect. Now, I know in my own life, I am not holy and perfect. I can't believe that wasn't a shock. And when you look at your own life, you know full well that you are not holy and perfect. So the only way to God was through somebody who was holy and perfect. And we know that somebody is Jesus Christ. Amen. So therefore, God has prepared a place for me because of what Jesus has done. And if I put my faith in him, him who defeated sin, him who defeated death on that cross, then if I put my faith and my trust in him, Paul then says to us this, now we know if this earthly tent is being destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. And this really starts to set us up into what God has called us to. He's called us from sin and he's called us to life. But there are things that we need to do. You see, we have a saviour and the grave couldn't hold him. So this new and lasting way was made so that we, you and me, might receive eternal life through him. And the verses that go along with that are Hebrews 9 and verse 11. And they reference what Paul is talking about here in these few brief verses. They tie together very nice. And scripture does that really well, but we have to look. Scripture ties together really well, but you have to look. So Paul elaborates then in verse 2 through 4, explaining that our groans and our longing to be with him, to be in our heavenly home, he explains, he elaborates on all of that. But right now, right now, on October, is it the 27th today? 
October the 27th, 2019, right now, while we're here on earth, there is work to be done. I feel like you're almost listening. You see, because right now, here on earth, where the Lord has got us right now, this is wasting away, which means I only have a short time. Right now, there is work to be done. And amazingly, well, God wants to use you and me to do that work. He's called us to do that work. He's called you and I to step into all that God has called us to and to step up and do what God has called us to do with assurance that he is with us every step of the way. Amen? But we've got to understand that we're not on our own. Because, again, if you're anything like me, I sometimes step into th- some, uh, something new and I get scared because I feel like, <gasps> what happens if? But amazingly, when I take a moment to just sit and reflect and think, I understand then that I haven't stepped into something new by myself. I've stepped into something new with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that the, the Bible tells us is our, de- uh, our deposit, our guarantee of eternal life, our inheritance guarantee, if you like, our deposit of what's to come. But, but the Holy Spirit is much more than that. It's not just the, dis- uh, the deposit for our inheritance that we have in Christ, but actually more than that, it, it is something so much greater than that, church, but unless we understand it, then everything else that I'm about to say to you is impossible. You with me? Keep with me because, you see, if we don't grasp that, you know, we can do these things, yeah, let's do what God's called us to do. I know, because you're made of the same stuff as me, and I understand what the Word of God says, I know that you will fail. If you step into it off your own strength, it will not last. It will not last because we're not able to do it. But what we are able to do is allow the Holy Spirit to work through us and understand that in God's power, in God's strength, and as Paul says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Then I can step into it. And when I feel like it's impossible, God does the impossible. Amen? When I feel like it's never going to happen, God makes a way where there was seemingly no way. He makes a path. a a river in the wilderness, and he clears the way for you and me to do what he's called us to do. But we have to remember it. We have to understand it, because if we try and do it on our own strength, it will fail. Jesus tells his disciples in John chapter 16 and verse 7 through 11. Just have a look at this with me. John chapter 16, verse 7 through 11, he says, But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I'm going away. Sounds crackers, doesn't it? How often in your own walk do you just wish you could just see Jesus? Hey, how sweet that would be. Just five minutes. Just five minutes. But listen to what he says to his disciples. I tell you the truth, it's for your good that I'm going away. Because unless I go away, the counsellor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Jesus is saying, look, disciples, 
brothers, friends, family. I've got to go. But don't worry, because I have to go in order that I can send the Holy Spirit, the counsellor. I can send him to you, and then from that, he can start convicting men and women around about of their sin. And when I say to you, go out into all the world and preach the gospel, hearts will be ready to listen. Hearts will be ready to hear the word of God. You might go to places where you have to dust your feet on the way out because nobody's ready to listen. But the Bible does tell us very clearly that the harvest is plentiful. The only issue is that the workers are few. Did you ever read it like that? The harvest's plentiful. People are ready to listen. And we think we live in a world where nobody wants to know about God. My Bible says contrary to that. People want to know, but we're too scared to tell them most of the time. We're too frightened to say it. We're worried of what people are going to think about us. Church, what does it matter what people think about us? All that matters is what God wants us to do, isn't it? Do I ask for your praise? No. Do I want to stand before my maker and he say, well done, my good and faithful servant? That's what I want. I don't want your praise. None of us want that, do we? Yeah, we like a pat on the back every now and again to say, you keep going. You can do it. That's great. Leave it there because if you give me the praise, I ain't going to get it. (laughs) So let's leave it there. What we're asking God to do is to work through us to be brave enough to step into what God has called us to do. And that happens through the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. You see, when the spirit comes, as we've received the Holy Spirit, as we've put our faith and our trust in Christ Jesus as Christians, we've received the Holy Spirit, and now he's going to guide us into all truth. He's going to help us. He's going to nurture us and grow us on, draw us to his word, so that we can start living for the gospel Start sharing the gospel, living for Jesus at every single point, and everything that we do, we make much of him, amen? The Spirit guides us into all truth, and that is what we want. We want to tell people, we want to experience all truth, and to know him more, to serve him more, and to live more like his son Jesus, amen? And these are the first five verses. And we're going to prayerfully do all of those verses over the coming weeks. But to conclude this small section, and I want to just put this to you because this is something that's come out of my mouth before, that God's a part of my life. Anybody else said that? Be brave. (laughs) You see, because the truth is that God, well, actually, he's not a part of my life. And I've heard it said many times. And it's so incorrect. Now, bear with me. Don't switch off. Paul has explained in these verses that Jesus is not part of your life. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He is the author of life, the giver of life. He is our life. Amen? This is who he is. He's not a part of my life. He is my life. Without him, the Bible tells me I did not have life, but now I have him. I have life to the full. This is what the Bible tells us. This is what we're called to understand. We only have life because he freely gave life. Amen. And Paul was uh, has drawn us this morning to that. So to the truth, 
that we have our future and our deposit for this earthly life, the Holy Spirit, that everything that I am is because Christ has freely given. And Alistair made mention of that this morning in the breaking of bread. We need to begin to realise who we are in him and what we have because of him. He's either our all or he's not. He's either everything that I am or he isn't. He's either your sustainer or he's not. Joshua told Israel, he said, look, I I can do no more. Literally, choose today who you will serve. He says, choose today who you will serve. And it's the same thing for us this morning, October the 27th, 2019. Choose today who you will serve. And he goes on to say, and the verse is up as you walk out the door, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Not we might, not sometimes we will, not possibly on the odd occasion where everything's going in our favour, but no, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Come rain, shine, hell or high water, we will serve him. And that is the declaration from this platform, from this church, that whatever God has called us to do, we will step into all that he has called us to do. And Joshua was brave, and he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that really is the point. You see, because who or what are we serving? And that's the point. And I don't want your Sunday answer, if I was to ask you that as a question, because your Sunday answer is the same as mine. Today, I am on it, Lord. I am at church I am in your presence. I am worshipping with your people. And we are declaring your name. What about tomorrow? You see, because naturally, in our sinful nature, if we're not careful, that there are other things that we can serve, like family, like work, like money. And the question is, really, As Christians, we have to ask this, does God not care about all those things? Ponder it for a second. Does God not care about all those things? Of course he does. Absolutely, of course he does. Now let me put this to you. Do we not want God in full control of our lives? Listen, the omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent creator God or you I'll ask again the omnipresent omniscient omnipotent creator God in control of your life or you it's not even difficult is it it's not difficult at all yet what am I going to do tomorrow most likely I got this Matt you haven't and neither do I need you to Because I've sent the Holy Spirit. Kenny made a really good analogy. He says, my wife asks me to hoover up. But the good news is, because she loves me, because she cares about me, she sent a cleaner to help me hoover up. And that's exactly what God has done for us. I I want you to do this. He says, I want you to go out into all the world and preach the gospel. But you won't do it by yourself. So here's the Holy Spirit. And, And we've, as a church... We want to make much of him who has called us to do what seems to be the impossible. But with Christ, all things are possible, aren't they? Joshua said, and this is where I'll finish, and we'll pray. 
He said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Church, we will serve the Lord. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we just want to thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray that this morning, as we've looked at this together, that this wouldn't be a word that goes in one ear and out the other, but Father God, that it would settle on our hearts, that we would begin to digest it, that we would look and we would search and we would see. Father, we want you to work in our lives. We want you to work through our lives as you've said that you will do. But Lord, we understand that there has to be a willingness on our part to to let down the barrier and to allow you to do. And we pray, Father God, that you might help us to do that, that you might help us to just step into what you've called us to be. And Father, this morning again, can we just say thank you for your word. And Father, for the blessing that it is, speak it into our hearts and into our lives that we might remember it, that we might bring it to the front of our minds in all that we do, and that, Father, we might just put you first. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. This has been a podcast by Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk.